0: Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 501, with Chef Hadir Karoom.
1: I think the biggest challenge is to not uh, become complacent and to, to try to get better in some way every single day. Are you
0: ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Introducing Ethics Suite, the first and only misconduct, theft, and fraud reporting platform exclusively for the restaurant industry. Check out restaurantethics.com to see how restaurant employees can report any concerns anonymously, easily, and securely from any device with internet connection. However, if you're an owner or manager, you should check out ethicssuite.com slash unstoppable for more information on how you can monitor and respond to these reports and stay informed about issues that could affect your business and your reputation. One more time. That's ethicssweet.com dot slash restaurants
1: unstoppable.
0: With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Haider Karoom. Chef, are you feeling unstoppable today?
1: I'm I'm feeling great. You know, we have <laughs> we, the World Cup is is on, and uh, the restaurant's going well, and my team my team is is fantastic, and they're they're hard to stop.
0: Nice. And I haven't been following the World Cup to be honest, but I've heard. It's a crazy one. A lot of upsets, a lot of surprises. So I'm I'm sure you're uh, going crazy right now. Not going crazy, but (laughs) there's been quite
1: a few surprises and, uh, you know, but but it's been great. It's, 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 you know, it's a beautiful time regardless. Nice.
0: So, uh... Washington, D.C. native Chef Heider Karoom's passion for food developed at a young age while traveling Europe with his mother and father. This passion eventually led him to study at the Culinary Institute of America. After graduation, he found his way back to Washington, where he worked under some incredible mentors including Gerard uh, Pango. Did I say it correctly? Sure and it Nora, did. I'm not even going to try to say this. Do it for me one more time. Pull you on. With experience under his belt, uh, Karoom partnered with others to Open Proof, Estadio, and Doymoy in Washington, D.C. On 2016, he left to get to work on opening his first venture and which that opened in 2018 uh chloe in the washington dc naval yard uh sorry washington dc naval yard neighborhood uh and they're doing great stuff uh i saw you know, great reviews man you're crushing it congratulations so uh let's dive into this so before we really kind of get your story let's get that motivational inspirational
1: ball rolling with a success quarter mantra what do you have for us success quote or mantra you know this uh, there's one that 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 kind of i think ties the whole thing together and it's the one that's something goes along the line of you know he who is not courageous enough to take a risk is is you know not going to go too far never going to achieve great things so i think a lot of it is 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 taking a chance and knowing that you you know you might you might only get one chance and not wanting to sit back one day and, and wonder what if you know.
0: Yeah, things are gonna just happen for you. You gotta make them happen. You sure. gotta get out there and create those opportunities. Uh so I'm picking up what you're putting down. Uh so after doing some research it looks like uh the, your passion for food has kind of been omnipresent for as long as you can remember, dating back to a childhood. So, take us through when you really uh, started to truly fall in love with the industry. Was it? Did you know you were going to be a chef when you were a kid, or like when did you really know? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I'm I'm super lucky in 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 that sense because I I knew since I was really young. You know, I think we, you had mentioned, uh, you know, when my parents uh, met and were married in London, um, and. They came to America, had kids, but they kept their house in a town called uh, Heston, a little bit uh, you know outside of the city. Um, but we would go there every summer, and you know it was just. I think that was really probably one of the most important aspects of this falling in love with food. You know, so,
0: what what was it about this experience that made you really fall in love? I'm curious. I think yeah. it
1: was just the you know, it was things like going to the food hall at Harrod's and seeing all these things, these pates and terrines and ducks and hares hanging and things I, that you didn't see a giant you know growing up yeah. um, so it was just and then and then from there we would travel to mainland Europe and you know experience you know the smell of a bakery in France and cheese and just it was really uh, it was it was incredible and in that I th- think that's really what set um, what like you know instilled for me a love for, for I can
0: only imagine being that old and seeing all these things for you how old were you when you were doing this you
1: know since I was I guess young as i can remember yeah you know so maybe you're
0: just always used to it but i feel like if uh if i were to go there and like as a teen growing up in the states and experience all these things i'd be like sensory overload um but since it was so young for you you kind of always you know it might have happened at a a young enough age where it was just normal
1: uh yeah and you know it really also like drove me to you know through my teens then i went to europe quite a few times by myself youth hustling and and spending the summer there by myself experience you know just uh going on adventures essentially
0: how do you think that uh that that young traveling that young being your own that young being on your own uh just getting out there uh taking a risk back it's kind of like taking a risk in the sense that you're getting out there at a young age you're exploring how much of that do you think molded who you are today
1: you know i I haven't really thought about that but you know it definitely must have something you know that you, you you have a certain you know you know lack of fear to certain risks and you know it's it's and it was a good thing because i was i was very happy to get it to get it done before i actually started my professional career because as you know you know the hours are just yeah are ridiculous so it's not like you need to you know take 10 days off and go go to amsterdam yeah you know once you're cooking professionally
0: that makes sense so when you were traveling at a, a young guy uh, as a young guy before your professional career did you have any was it intentional where you're like i'm gonna go to these places to experience this food or did you go to that place for to experience this food or were you just kind of going out there and just living? it was
1: it was more just trying to see see the world and less it was it was less uh, like specifically food focused you know okay but it, that was just a you know it was that, that happened as a result of just hitting all these different cities and right. traveling and whatnot.
0: So at what point, can you reflect back to a specific time where you're like I'm going to make my life about food. Like, this is going to be my, my life. This is going to be my career. Do you know when that time was?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember I remember, I can't remember what grade I was in, but I think it was like seventh grade. And there used to be a, sh- I think it's when Discovery Channel first started and there was a show called uh, Great Chefs of the West. Okay. <laughs> I recall I recall like like high stepping from the bus to get home so I wouldn't miss it, you know? <laughs> and I like I was just like absolutely obsessed with it. Probably watched every single episode and that's when I knew I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. Okay. This is what I'm gonna do.
0: What what a part of that were you obsessed with? Was it the culture of the food? Like which part of it reflecting back?
1: I'm not sure if there's one specific part. I was just I was just I was just consumed by like I okay. just you know, it was everything. It was about it, it's just you know, it it brings in uh, creativity, it brings in a craft, it brings in, you know, so many things that, that they all tie together okay. to, you know...
0: So at this point, were you working in restaurants or were you... Not, into- not
1: Not quite. I didn't start until I think I was... I basically didn't start working in restaurants until I was, I think, a freshman in high school. And, you know, then the, the, the move from there was I decided I wanted to go to the Culinary Institute of America... You had to get in a certain amount of experience before they would you would be accepted. So my first, I guess, proper cooking job was you know at a Creole restaurant in Old Town Alexandria.
0: Okay, so. was that uh what like junior year, sophomore year, high school? Junior, junior, sophomore. Soft-
1: so I'm curious,
0: uh, you kind of were in love with food up to this point. When you got into your first restaurant, was it like love at first sight? Was it kind of like a was an experience? In this like how was that first experience?
1: It it was great, you know. Yeah. It was all it was all brand new to me, and it was, you know, it was it was it was fantastic. And I was having things I'd never tasted before, yeah. and and I was shucking oysters, and you know, I, it was just great. It was. Okay.
0: Great. I feel like I have this theory. Let me know what you think about it. So when, I think people think that they they fall in love with something,
1: mm-hmm. uh, and it's
0: because. Uh, they get this passion for something right it's my passion but I feel like the passion is can be something that's given to you by recognition of others for being good at something um, do you feel like maybe that might be part of what drew you in this direction
1: it, you know it might it might be it might be you know I mean I was I was you know I was a, uh, let me just I was you know I was a as a teenager I was I was a piece of work you okay. know what I mean and I I did not I, you know I was kind of like the you know the, I had a lot of fun you know it was like glory glory days exactly but but you know it once I found you know cooking I was you know I was a complete turnaround Okay. you know I was you know never never late for class always on top of everything you know it was just it was a complete complete total change so it,
0: it grabs it grabbed your interest it grabbed your i mean it was something that you wanted to be a part of before you were never engaged and it sounds like now you were engaged exactly okay yep. sweet so you graduate cia um do you, at this point when you graduate uh were you actually before we move on i'm curious was there any in particular professor any lesson anything that was kind of eye-opening for you during this time reflecting back at that time
1: it, it, you know as you you'd mentioned sensory overload, it was so so many things I had never actually smelled or okay. eaten or done before that it was there was there was so much of it you know okay um, it was also quite a while ago, so yeah I'll have, <laughs> uh, too many specifics that I can give you
0: so when you graduated uh did you kind of have a, a plan put in line, or were you just trying to get the best job you could get at that time, like pretty much what was that plan back then
1: well I, I wanted to obviously work for the very best people that I could you know I'm, I'm from this area so I went to work with uh, Michelle Richard at, yeah. at Citronell. so I uh, had the opportunity to stay there to, to have to, to stay there a little bit I started there as an extern okay, and I did an extended externship so I could be there as long as I possibly could where was Citronel is that in Washington or is was yeah, that in, back at yes yeah, in Georgetown okay cool yeah. um, 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 but so that was the, the, that was great because that was just that was going from you know, learning in school to actually one of the finest restaurants in the country that was very at the time it was very, you know it was very progressive.
0: Yeah. So when you're thinking of uh this this uh the chef, who was the chef of uh Mich- Michelle was it? Michelle Richard. Yeah. Michelle Richard, um uh, who was was it he or she it was a he <laughs> <Okay. Yeah. laughs> sorry I,
1: I should be better at the names
0: in the no, industry. No, okay. Uh but reflecting at at who he was uh, what kind of leader was he?
1: He at the time was not there too often because he had several other restaurants on the West Coast. Okay. Um c- citrus and so this was his first it, it had only been open about three or four months. Okay. but he was he, he's unfortunately passed away. He was a l- larger than life and he had uh he had worked initially as a pastry chef for the famous uh, Gaston La Notre in, in in France and so he was like a bona fide pastry badass. Um that it kind of morphed into uh both pastry and and savory okay. um but he was very you know he was he's he's a legend you know yeah. and he he's very he was known for incredibly whimsical cuisine and and adding textures to everything so everything kind of had a little bit of a pop to it okay
0: so, so was there anybody here uh, how long did you spend how many years did you spend there i uh, was say? there about a year and a half a year and a half who was the person that uh Kind of watched over you. Who was that person? Was there a mentor for you at this time? If he was off on the west coast,
1: you know, I was too. It was too fresh in the business to actually have a, yeah. a, a, a to have. You know, there was what well, there was a executive sous chef <laughs> that was there that basically put me under his wing. He was getting he was really getting crushed and overwhelmed by it, it was just it was a super busy restaurant. We didn't have enough sous chefs. We didn't have enough leaders, um, and he basically was like, if you if you come in four hours early. I'll I'll teach you and he taught me how to you know he said that was my first like real lessons in butchering and actually cooking on that on the line so
0: so what's the takeaway from that
1: I mean that was that was an incredible moment in my I don't even want to say it was a career at that point but it was really like wow you know if you're if you're willing to if you're willing to work and if you're willing to you know just go through the the, the pain and the hours then you can go as high as you want yeah you know because I was like I'm I'm Pretty young, and I'm learning from this this, this Belgian chef. That's really he, he he's got so much pedigree that you're absorbing some of his pedigree, you know, mm-hmm. just by the, the the basic teaching of techniques and whatnot.
0: So he was teaching you techniques, but what did he teach you about how to be, who to be?
1: I mean. I- I can. I think that a lot of it was just kind of like this is a brutal industry. Yeah, <laughs> you know? a little bit of an eye opener. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was, and, and it was, it was, it was a, it was a kick in the ass.
0: So were you were you just as love with the industry or what you thought the industry was going to be coming out of this? No, I was. I was more excited. Why? Be- it was, because it was, it was so like now life. you're actually in in, yeah. in
1: in a real restaurant. This is like this is it's real life, and it was it was so exciting. It nice. was so exciting. But you know it was you know it was a tough it was a tough time it, it, it you know it cost me more to park for a day than I made the whole day you know but that's that's what that's, <laughs> that's how how I feel
0: driving around uh, D C to, to do these yeah. interviews yeah well Georgetown, <laughs> Georgetown was rough right so um, let's zoom up to like thirty thousand feet real quick and mm-hmm. uh, reflect on the. The, the restaurants and the people that you encountered from that time on. We're gonna stay chronological, but who moving on from this time had the most influence on you? Um, and if there are multiple people, then you we can stay with, with we can do multiple people. But start with the next chronological person that you learned something from that 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 taught you about what it takes to make it in this industry.
1: Yeah, I, you know, moving on from from that was. Um, I was, you know, I was looking at different chefs in DC to that who I wanted to be. Really, it's really it's so important those first that first job or that second job in the restaurant industry because it's gonna, it's you're gonna either develop really good habits that will go with you for the rest of your career, or you're gonna develop shitty habits that yeah. will probably go with you for the rest of your career. So I wanted to start. I wanted to start really with as as high as I could go. Okay. So Gerard Pango uh, had a restaurant called Gerard's Place, and that was um, where. I, he took me on, um,
0: and you were working side by side with Gerard, yeah? He wasn't. No, individual. he was there. He yeah. was. That,
1: yeah, he, he was the restaurant chef. So, but, you know, he was. Uh, he was a huge in terms of the. I think the way that I cook and the way that I think about food, he is definitely the most uh, influential.
0: Okay, why? Dive into it. How did he influence he, you?
1: Well, he, I mean, first of all, he was at the time he was the youngest chef to get two Michelin stars, and he he got it when he was like 24 or 25. He was just. He was a natural. He was a, an absolute beast. But his cuisine always, it, it, the focus of it was simplicity, and letting ingredients shine, and not you know you know instead of adding three three ingredients, taking three ingredients out, and it was incredibly eye opening. Because at the time there was a lot of there was a lot of sh- shit going on and squeeze bottles of sauce all over the place. <laughs> yeah. he, he, he was like the he was like you know the antithesis of that. Okay, um, and it was just it was. Uh, you know I still think about it i when I still think about him today when i when I'm composing a dish I think about what would what would what would chef do you mm-hmm. know so
0: so i'm curious uh you had a chance to work with a few other people before this uh coming to this restaurant working with gerard uh was there anything um specific about how he ran his kitchen about the discipline he had about the order he had about
1: well, i mean it was just it was very it was a very disciplined kitchen you know it's okay. like everybody was a pro there was no there was no pissing off or anything like that you know of course cooks are always going to have fun yeah but it was very you know it had he had that you know this was the early 90s that michelin starred kitchen mentality where this is serious serious business it's not you know you're not at you're not at a a cheesecake factory
0: so how did he keep that level of order
1: fear fear
0: <laughs> do you think that's a good way to keep a little no no, no no no
1: i don't i mean i'm not I would never say anything bad uh, negative <laughs> but you know i think a lot of things that you learn going through kitchens is not exactly what to do but what not to do yeah so would he come
0: down on you like the wrath of like he would come he would come
1: i'm not mad at you i'm just disappointed no 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 Not <laughs> it's it was, it was definitely not that
0: it okay was definitely not that. So, uh, any other big takeaways from Gerard? Anything you can leave with me and my audience? Uh, ways we should be ways to run a business? Ways to treat people?
1: Um, well, I mean, one thing that you, you can take away from it is that um, it, the level of commitment that you get from employees—that if you're willing to share your knowledge with them, that you know they will they will be loyal you know, and they'll, they'll work hard and they'll work, they'll work That's well. That's a
0: nugget right okay. there. That's something we need to lean into. I feel like a lot of people, uh, in this industry who never quite make it to a certain level that they have their one restaurant, but they can, they never can get the team around them. They need to do is because they don't share the knowledge sure. they, right. or maybe they, 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 they think they had to hold their secrets close to their chest, or maybe they think that nobody can do it as good as them. Right. Um, was that something that he ever had like a sense of get out of the way like, let me do it. You can't do this
1: it was then. no i don't think it ever and it, it, it you know at the time i was really it was he was kind of like you know he, he almost seemed like a god so it wasn't like we were having we were yeah. we, we weren't uh you know brunoising vegetables together side by side yeah. it was kind of like Make sure you're not fucking up. (laughs) So what were those lessons like when he was
0: teaching you? Like, how did he when would he make time for it? Was it just in in the service or was there like a a lecture, like a quick like lesson before service like this is.
1: Well, it was really more the fact that he, you know, he 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 mentored other people in the restaurant. People had been with him for a bunch of years. Yeah. And I really I probably, you know, got it. Got the mentoring from them more than from him directly. Okay, but it had to come from you know it yeah. came from him originally. Exactly. It just trickled down. Okay, in that sense, got you.
0: So the next restaurant you are at was with Nora. <clears throat> Nora. I'm not even going to try to say her last name because I'm awful with math. Say it. One, I'll say it one more time
1: for Nora, me. Nora Pouillon. Pouillon. Okay. Yeah. So Nora before Pouillon. before I did that, I had promised my parents that I would you know if they let me go to culinary school right away at yeah. high school, that I promised I'd eventually get a. a college degree okay um in the time that i was at gerard's place the ca started to offer the bachelor's program so it was a way for me to think about like fulfilling my you know what i told my parents i'd do and still being in a place you know where you're immersed in my favorite thing in the world like chefs and and the whole the whole thing so i went back did the bachelor's program it was like about another two years okay um that's really more business and management stuff like that um and then after that came back to dc and um started working for nora at restaurant nora
0: okay cool so what was this kitchen like were there any new lessons here anything you observed from nora uh that uh was unique in the the, way there was a
1: you know it was it was very different it was very i guess um I, I don't want to say nurturing, but it was, you know, it was, a, it was just a different, it was a different thing. Like, you know, Nor restaurant Nora, she's, she's a pioneer in, in, you know, in the industry in terms of, uh, organics and, far, you know, everything related, you know, it's similar to, um, uh, and East, but on the, on the, D, the, on the East coast. And she just had a very, almost kind of like, uh, far less, uh, don't oh, know far less uh like Raff. militarist <laughs> like exactly so it, it was kind like, of more more nurturing yeah. and more um um yeah yeah
0: so how did that look it's like take us through like her approach uh can you get specific as to like how she would onboard somebody or how she would teach you something whereas i feel like with gerard it was kind of like don't fuck up
1: and it was very like it was much more you know technique driven, and with this, with, you know, with her, it was much more philosophy. Like, this is my philosophy, and it was something that was, you know, I knew about it, but it, it was at a complete different level in mm. terms of only using things that are seasonal, you know, only using things that, are, uh, that, you know, you're not using farm raised this or yeah. that, and it, it was it was it, but it was it was like hardcore. It was you know like the 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 servers had to wear shirts that were made from organic hemp and but it wasn't like crunchy it was just she was so you know she was so dedicated to what she believed was right what exactly did she believe well she just you know believed that you know products should not should should not have terrible things in them antibiotics and you know vegetables shouldn't be sprayed and, and and things like that and you shouldn't be eating asparagus in October and just like, but it was really, it was, it was serious in, in how that got ingrained into me. You know? So is that
0: where you, do you have those same values today? Do you think Definitely. Yeah. With, without
1: a doubt, without okay. a doubt. And so that, that, that was a huge influence on me. Um, in which you just don't, you know, you just don't think about, you don't eat peaches in January, yeah. you know, because they have a pretty short window. And if, 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 you know they're so much more delicious when you only have them for three weeks, and you you know you crave something that yeah. you can't have. And
0: plus, just the the you know carbon footprint you're leaving behind to get those sure. exactly. those, those those products to you when you don't necessarily need to, to make that kind of impact in right. the world to, to just to have peaches on the menu. Yeah. But uh, it's
1: like you know it's it's such a it's such a powerful thing. Like today, from our Amish farmers, we just got in the first of the year, you know, sweet Bing cherries, and like my whole staff is excited about seeing these seeing because yeah. we've been waiting for him you know
0: one thing i'm really curious about is the idea of um having something that's a higher purpose serving a higher purpose in the 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 influence that higher purpose has on the team on the culture would you say working in this restaurant where there was a clear higher purpose to to serve these values of doing right by food mm-hmm. do you think there's a, a different uh level of energy in the air a different level of commitment to the food yeah in the air definitely than in, definitely
1: and, uh, and not only that but a lot of the people like you know in my kitchen, my one of my uh, executive sues was with me at Restaurant Nora twenty, like 20 years ago, and she, she's just amazing, and she shares kind of the exact same values because she's been with her long with Nora far longer than me. Um, but it's it's how you mentor your staff, and it's how you know they. The thing that's great about it is if they're with you long enough, they start to feel your enthusiasm, and it becomes contagious. And then all of a sudden, somebody that really didn't seem like the gave a shit is now super excited about
0: how does that make
1: you feel it makes me feel fantastic why because it's you know it's it's kind of like you're you, you you're passing a torch so to speak to a certain extent you know yeah, absolutely. you know i mean but also just with a lot of you know a lot of my cooks i mean a lot of my cooks some of them have been with me 15 16 years it's just a great feeling like you know i like raised Raise some of these people on my on my on my teeth, so to speak <laughs> on my, mouth. so it's like you you craft somebody who had yeah. never never picked up a knife or yeah. never even put on a you know a dishwasher shirt, and now I look at them now and I watch them and it makes me it gives me a great sense of pride
0: yeah, so when you were like just getting started uh, you know you you had worked at uh, with Gerard, now you went back to the, the culinary school. You're working with Nora. What was driving you at this point? What was, the, what was your leading drive, would you say? Were you looking to learn? Were you looking to yeah.
1: just absorb as much knowledge as possible? Okay. Gain as much experience. You know, it was at Restaurant Nora where I first got my, like, kind of like a leadership role. I was hired as a sous chef. Okay. And then after a year was promoted to S- S- CDC, uh, okay. Chef de okay. Cuisine. And so it was the very first time I was managing, you know, not only cooking, you know, six days a week, but managing a staff, a pretty big staff. At a restaurant that was doing very good numbers. So, what was yeah.
0: that transition like? Going from, uh, you know, the person responsible for just learning to the person that who's now responsible for these other people. Was that a hard transition for you?
1: It. it, it I don't think it was hard. You know, I think it's it's one of those things when, when people talk about leadership is like you either have it or you don't, and yeah. you can't you can't read a book and get it. Yeah. So I think it was a culmination of a lot of things. You know, it was it was uh, just having a natural leadership ability and having, you know, having good core values and treating people with respect and not, you know, so it was, I think it was a culmination of a lot of different aspects.
0: So you, would you say you have that natural leadership ability? I think so. What makes you a natural leader?
1: Just the way that I, I think the way that I operate, the way that I treat people, the way that, you know, what the, way the, do you operate? <laughs> well, it's, it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's your staff is your most important thing that you have, yeah. you know, so you don't, you don't treat your staff like shit and you 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 train them properly and you mentor them and you nurture them and when they need help with something you help them out yeah you teach them as much as you can you, you know and and that's it you know i don't i don't lead with the idea of like this person fears me it's kind of more they they they're afraid to disappoint me mm. and i feel like you get a lot you get you know you get 10 times Better work out of people when you have that type of relationship than when you're, you know, all up in their shit.
0: Why do you think they're afraid to dis- Or why? Why? What is it that would make them afraid to disappoint you?
1: What, uh, I'm I don't know. Sure it's, I mean,
0: it's a hard question. So I guess what I'm curious about is, uh, what? How do you get to the point like where... like a
1: player that doesn't want to disappoint their coach?
0: Yeah. Was, well, how do you get to that level where somebody um, doesn't want to disappoint you? Like, how, how, what is it, the things that you? What are the things that you did? To to make people feel like hey like I know you just kind of I don't know if that it's kind of a very uh, philosophical like mm-hmm. question but
1: uh, you know I think at the at the end of the day is a lot of these people have worked with you and and you know watched you there's nothing that you wouldn't do you know I'm not asking them to do things that I haven't done they've seen me you know they they've seen me you know grinding on the line for. So many years and leading leading by example by doing things yeah. that, you know,
0: I think it's just that mentality that you got to give before you get. And when you're giving your all to somebody else mm-hmm. and uh, they know that they're not re- reciprocating on the level of uh, here to serve, like you're here to serve them. And if you make it clear uh, and then are they here to serve you? Are they re- reciprocating? Because when you when you exist to serve other people, it, it comes back around. They don't. They, people want to make sure that the, the balance is even or, or like scaled out evenly right people don't want to be taking too much and not returning sure. the favor right um <clears throat> so at what point did you know it was time to leave how, how long were you with Nora before you leave
1: oh i was with her for a lot so i was with her at restaurant Nora for two years and then she which is uh, she, she basically had a second restaurant called asian Nora, which was all of her same you know all the whole organic um uh, philosophy, but geared towards the cuisines of, of of Asia. Okay, so she basically the the chef had left, and she put faith in me to go to that restaurant and run the show altogether. Like, so she basically, you know, gave me the rock and let me run with it. Okay, which was an incredible incredible opportunity. Um, it was a great leap of faith for her to do that because you know, and. I had no experience in Asian cuisine at the time, so I really had to immerse myself in books and restaurants and to, to basically learn okay um but that so that was really my first foray in being like the, the chef actually fully running a restaurant. What
0: was that transition like
1: it was it was tough <laughs> I mean it was, was just tough because yeah. you know it was it was uh all of a sudden now everything's on you mm-hmm. you know you're not you're not you're not a Sioux in which it could be you know everything is on you you know and uh, Uh, it was managing the whole staff Um, what was the biggest transitional point for you the
0: biggest thing that you had to start doing differently to jump into that role
1: that I had to do well it was really just taking it you know being in charge of the whole the whole thing yeah Um, being responsible for financial numbers that Mm -hmm. that were coming in and stuff like that
0: was that new for Um, you as far as the numbers yeah
1: that was that was that was new you know like on the kind of more the macro scale yeah um, but, you know, it was there for it, it was there for, you know, I was there for over seven years. And when I first started there, it was a very it was very quiet. And when I left, it was very busy. So I feel like it was a great experience of, you know, building, somewhere. building, building a, a, a restaurant. So eventually
0: you leave Nora, you go to open your own restaurants, or you partnered. how did this opportunity to become a partner in another restaurant group?
1: Uh, how did um, that all come to you? The, the, my, my partner's very favorite restaurant was Asian Nora, where I'd been cooking. So he was coming in there like two days a week. Um, And once he was having uh, He was having dinner with a pretty famous Winemaker and I had walked through the Dining room, it was the, the end of the night He asked for me to come over and have A glass of wine with him, we started chatting um, And he asked me what I You know, what my goals were and I was like to, to Have my own, you know, to have my own restaurant One day, so Next day he dropped by and was like, "Will you have lunch with me Tomorrow, and it just all started There, and then we just We, just, we clicked, you know, we hit it off
0: So, so- Take me through this relationship. What is it about the two of you that you think works so well? First, let me ask: What was he doing? What was his background? He he was passionate about Asian food, but was he an investor? Like, what was his?
1: So he was he was just a he, he was a, a, a tax attorney you know, uh, uh, by trade, but he was just probably the biggest foodie I've ever met in my life. You know, okay. this was just a, just he was an incredible guy, Mark Color. Okay, um, and just had a, such love for all things food and wine and and restaurants. Um, we shared that you know just from that first lunch on we realized we shared like almost you know exact same loves for food and restaurants and it was just like you know it, it was just it was you know it was perfect
0: so how much time elapsed from the time you guys had lunch together to the time that uh he pitched you um uh, hey, i'd like to invest in you was it that lunch period?
1: it was about two days
0: two yeah. days yeah and um how did you I mean, you had a lot of the same like values and the same interests in food, but what was it about the character of this person? How did you know to trust this person?
1: It's it's that's one of those things that's hard to put put your finger on. You know, I'm a firm believer in, in gut feelings. Yeah, and I just had a I had great gut feeling about it. I knew I, I didn't have any apprehension, and it it seemed like an incredible opportunity. You know, I was going to be a partner.
0: What was the pitch? I'm curious. Well, how did he how did he uh, propose this this opportunity to
1: you? Um. He said, I want, you know, I, I want to open a restaurant. You want to open a restaurant? I want you to be my partner. I want you to be my executive chef. Okay. So, you know, wrote up a term sheet and it just felt right. You know, and I knew it was, it was a huge opportunity because I could basically create something from, you know, from the, from the bottom up.
0: Yeah. Did you have anybody uh, coaching you through uh, developing that term sheet? Was how did no. You know? no. So
1: how did you know you were getting a deal with the terms? i didn't i didn't know 100 percent, and yeah. i wish i you know i you know i had a, a I had an, a, an attorney uh buddy who kind of gave me some gave me some advice yeah. um but i didn't you know everything was happening so fast yeah. and it was so exciting that it was just kind of like it. just i i just had to go with it
0: so what year was this i'm curious
1: this was all um this was all happening in 2006 2006 yeah. so
0: like 12 years ago yep. and uh you were with him f- until 2016 so 10 years you guys spent oh, yeah. together opening restaurants yeah
1: and just great tr- you know tr- 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 we've traveled the world eating yeah. in different restaurants you know we were just f- very close very so close. what
0: was the biggest challenge of opening that this is the first restaurant you ever opened right mm-hmm. uh anything you know today that you wish you knew then
1: Oh yeah, I mean, there's so many, there's so many moving parts. Actually, <laughs> opening a restaurant.
0: Give us a couple nuggets of things you know now that you didn't know then that you wish you did.
1: Well, I think I mean, right off the bat, is working with a kitchen designer is the planning for that. You know, because once it's built, it's it's not moving. Yeah, you know, so be be, be sure about where you want that sink. Were there things be-
0: you you weren't that you didn't consider that you kind of wish you were like, shoot, I should have done this.
1: There's plenty of things like that. But, I mean, the, biggest, plenty-
0: the biggest one, the, big, the one that had the biggest influence on your operation because you didn't consider it.
1: Well, there, there was one thing is that with, with, with uh, Mark really didn't, t- he, he's, he's like, build your kitchen, whatever you want, you can have. Yeah. Oh my God. It, it was pretty much like that. Yeah, so everything was, it was, it, <laughs> that's exactly what it was. But if, so everything was custom and we yeah. had like probably the uh, Mark's uh, Novak, one of the most famous kitchen designers. Yeah. Um, and. I think one thing that I took away from it is that, like, uh, the more tricked out doesn't necessarily mean the best. Okay. Like, it was a very, very awesome kitchen. But there were certain things at the time that were just, It was like, if it has too many bells and whistles, it might, it, it it might f- suck. Like, you know, a hood <laughs> yeah, system that yeah. uses a, a laser to detect, you know... 12 years ago sometimes less is more I agree. totally totally <laughs> yeah. so but the, the, like you know, the, food qu- for example yeah exactly yeah that's 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 very pango of you <laughs> um so the thing and just so many moving parts in, in, in terms of opening a restaurant for the first time and and actually hiring and
0: so you opened three restaurants together right yep so with the second restaurant was there anything you did differently because of the experiences that you had with the first restaurant how did you know you were ready to open the second restaurant
1: you know, we had put together, I put together a team that I was comfortable with, you know, running things when, when I wasn't there. I'd, you know, I've been blessed with, with just fantastic teams. And uh, it's really having the, the confidence in them to be able to focus on another restaurant.
0: So at what point did you know that they were ready? How you, what are the cues you're looking for to know your team's ready The confidence? Like what things can we do to get them to that point? How did you even mold them to that point?
1: Part of it is is you know, not not macro managing I think and letting people let let letting people work and uh, trusting in people kind of like in the way that 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 Nora trusted in me when she when she handed off Asian Nora to me.
0: So what happens to these people when you get out of their way? They work and. What happens when they stare off the wrong go in the wrong direction like do you do you, how do you get them back on track because I agree with you, you you gotta get out of the way you gotta let them grow you gotta let them fall in their ass you gotta yep. pick them back up mm-hmm. but is there a is there a technique you have or is there an approach to that that you have that you can share with us
1: yeah, you know I mean I think I'm I, I try to correct things in a in a in a constructive manner so if somebody Is doing something wrong or is is messing something up? I will step in and I'll be like, "This is why this sucks," or "This is why this is what you're doing wrong." And this is you know, this. So it's not like
0: you're like that sucks. Throw it out, do it Again, you're like no, but it's like uh, okay,
1: this is why. You know, if you're butchering a a fish, this is this is what you need to do. This is the importance of sharpening your knives. This is you know things like that. You know,
0: what was the retention with this team? I'm curious.
1: I mean, the staff, I still have people from Asia or that are cooking in my kitchen right now. That's crazy. You know,
0: so I feel like so many people and and there is a real challenge out there with people in the industry. Now, there's so many restaurants and the the hiring pool hasn't really grown at all. But there's still more and more restaurants being open. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is it that you think you do that keeps these people staying with you? I mean, we kind of touched on it a little bit, I think already, just the the letting people grow, mentoring, caring
1: for them, being there for them yeah i mean it's it, it, what what we do in both the the back of the house and the front of the house and we don't even really look at it like that you know we try to we we try to we don't tr- we create a like a, a great workplace mm. a place where people once again you know they grow they can be successful they can you know it's it's a very kind of like family like uh, uh team yeah um, so when there's a lack of when there's you know when when there's respect and when there's a lack of fear, um, it just creates it, it cr- creates a very good work environment. Yeah. You know, so that keeps people like because it's not it's not that common to find shops like that. No, you absolutely. Know? So I think a lot of them, a lot of my employees realize that they're in a special place and. So,
0: so back to the original question, how did you know you were ready for spot number two? It sounds like you you, ha- you said you had the people that were ready. You groomed mm-hmm. the people. They were ready. Uh, were, you, were you When you left to go open the second location, which was um, – was it Proof? Uh,
1: Estadio. Estadio. So Estadio, Proof sorry. was first. Estadio uh, was second. Uh, Estadio was second. Uh,
0: Estadio was second. Um, did you promote, like, your sous chef to the chef de cuisine? And did you – were you still the executive chef for that restaurant? Or did you move on I was to- still the executive chef uh, okay. and, and, and
1: for the group. But, you know, somebody who was a great – a great uh, sous chef for me. I knew that it was his time to take on a chef de cuisine role, so yeah. I groomed him for about a year and a half so, to be the first CDC at my second restaurant. Because so, it was okay. Go so ahead.
0: What what came first? Uh, the the vision for the second restaurant, or the 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 recognizing the need that you had to create an opportunity for this person before they went someplace else. I
1: think the vision for the second restaurant. But your 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 goal is to always be able to uh, you know create opportunities for. People that have been very loyal and have been great yeah. employees, you know, nothing makes me happier happier than watching these people yeah succeed. Okay, and, and you know, and grow. That's awesome.
0: So, so the second restaurant, was there anything that was uh different about that opening versus the, the
1: first one? It just you know you you learn so much from the first one, and then the second one gets a little bit easier. The third one gets a little bit you know because you're you're picking up knowledge about things that were like, well, what. What really sucked about this? Yeah, and then you you make adjustments.
0: Okay, so I want to make sure we leave time for your latest restaurant. So I'm curious, uh, what was it uh, about the previous restaurant group that you were with that made you feel like you need to take some time away to, to go do your own thing?
1: Um, to be you know, to, to be perfectly honest, it's just my partner uh, passed away. Oh my god, yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I did not know that. And uh, it was just, it was just with that happening, it was just time. Okay. It was time to actually, you know, you know, I would have, you know, rode into the sunset, yeah, uh, with him because we just had such an awesome relationship. What was um,
0: that like taking somebody? You know, there's something i have been doing a lot of reading on this concept called uh, uh, creative or transactive memory, is what it's called. And basically, what trans- 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 transactive memory is is when you uh, have somebody who's your partner, whether that be in marriage or in business, yeah. uh, your 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 memory. Um, you have your lane, right? You do a certain thing, things your way. This is your lane, and that's what you are responsible for. But there's other things that are very key to the partnership, like the finances, like the uh, whatever it is that that other person might do. Mm-hmm. And you you don't have to memorize all the things that they're responsible for because your, your memory it's like a phone book, right? You have all these uh, numbers in your phone. You don't have to memorize all those numbers, but you know where to get the answer. And that's what your partner is, kind of like the phone book in your sure. in your in your pocket, right? So. What was it like to have this business partner that was carrying so much of responsibility for the, the business right mm-hmm. when they leave? How did you get through that like how How was that emotionally not to get too deep, but
1: well, you know I mean as you said it's the the lane thing in terms of staying in the lane in which I you know I had opened three restaurants with you no know, I had, had developed a very strong team at all three restaurants had learned so much, but I had never done any of the other things you know so when I decided to leave and I started to work on opening this place opening Chloe it was it was extremely challenging because I'd never done it before so I had to wear a a whole I had to wear a lot of different hats you know I all of a sudden had to start you know planning and writing a business plan and and raising capital and it's just it was an incredible process but it certainly is it's it's you know it's not it's it's very doable but you're no longer you're no longer in your lane. Yeah. You, you have to kind of like...
0: So what year did your, your business partner pass away? I don't want to spend... I don't want to go... like 2014. 2014. So uh, do you think that uh, losing... Was it lose, lo- losing that key part of the group that kind of made it maybe uh, come apart a little bit for you? Yeah. Or, okay. Thanks. So. I, mean, I, I mean, you couldn't have done anything to prevent that. Um, I'm just trying to figure... What, what is like one lesson we can learn from that i guess uh i don't know if there is anything you can learn just let's like life happening you know
1: let life happen yeah <laughs> you know yeah there's nothing there's nothing kind of you know i guess rosy to say about it it's it was tragic um but it's it's it is what it is how are you
0: emotionally <clears throat> during this time
1: he, he was very i was very extremely close with him so yeah. it was just it was it was a sad time I but you know imagine. he's he's sitting on a cloud right now drinking white burgundy <laughs>
0: Well, good. I'm happy to hear he's happy up there. Um, So moving on, uh, two years, what was the biggest challenge of going from having this partner that kind of completed you, if you will, Mm -hmm. to having the breakout? How did you compensate for not having this partner? Did you go out there and find people to partner to replace him in the sense of his business uh, technique, his business uh, strengths? Or or? Did you get consultants? Like, how did you get Yeah, so, no,
1: you know, like, we, I, I, I obviously, the first, the first thing I did was, you know, I hired an advisor slash attorney to, okay. you know, to really start to, to, to put together everything. Yeah. Um, and I knew that, like, I had worked with fantastic. You
0: had that in him. You had that in your business partner. The attorney mentality. The, the exactly. Other, yeah. yeah.
1: But, you know, yeah. and we had worked with fantastic people, accountants and whatnot over the years yeah. that I had developed relationships with. So, so I knew that when I was going to do this. I know that I'm going to leave this person in charge of this, yeah. you know, to, to do the accounting. I have this person that's going to be giving you know legal advice. Da 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 da. Yeah. So I had kind of uh, you know a framework, kind of set up. Okay. it was just a matter of uh, like you know sitting down, and and you know actually creating, creating the vision of the of the, of the restaurant.
0: So is there anything that you did with this latest restaurant um, that was different because of the experience like that you've developed over the
1: years? I mean one thing that was that was that was so beneficial about this restaurant was the fact that I had I wasn't working in another restaurant I could focus all of my attention on all the details that are necessary to create a, you know a great restaurant. Yeah. So whether it's you know building the team whether it's you know doing uh you know financial um planning and and, and things like that all all the all the things that that come with Opening a business, I was able to, instead of like coming home from a twelve hour shift and putting in three hours of work, I didn't have to worry about that. I could focus everything. I could focus all my energy on you know, building it the way I wanted it.
0: So what's the, why is this or how is this restaurant better than the other ones because of that?
1: I don't want to say it's it's <laughs> better, you know. I, but it's how's it, it different? It's because it's it's basically the culmination of all the things that i've been dreaming of since i was shucking oysters in in old town it's different in the
0: sense that it's more aligned with what you what you've developed what you've formed yourself into this being you are today it's 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 an extension of who you are today
1: sure yeah and it's also like you know there was there was it's it's you get to you get to influence you know i got to decide on every aspect of it Every aspect in terms of design and, and architecture and location and staff and the whole nine. So it's really like, you know, you, you, you going through going through your career, you're you, you're always jotting things down. You have notebooks where you're writing down dish ideas and stuff like that. But you're also jotting down things about just like philosophical aspects of what you think makes a great restaurant or design aspects of what you think or what you know what. So you, you, you kind of have a blueprint after cooking for 20 years of exactly how you would do it okay you know so that that was that was great you know i mean it was it was extremely stressful yeah. um but but uh you know I, I believed in it so
0: so one question i, I really want to start asking all my guests earlier i asked you uh, what you what your purpose was earlier on like and you said you were learning right what's your purpose now how have you transformed who are you now Versus then, like, how do you do things differently now versus how you used to do things when you're first getting started?
1: Well, I think you know once you've you know once you become an entrepreneur, you you just start to think differently. You think you're much more you're much more on the business side than in the past, and you, you've you've kind of gone through all the the aspects of, of of working in a restaurant. You know whether it's serving or cooking or whatever it is, um, and you're kind of all those things now are bundled up and you're trying to utilize those experiences to make your restaurant the best it can possibly be. So I feel like, you know, we try to do that every day we try to, we try to get better in some aspect every day, every day.
0: Okay. Is it okay that you have guests walking in right now? Is this uh that we're still recording? <laughs> yeah, it's okay with me. Okay. As long as it's cool with you, it's cool with me. So one last question, um, before moving to the speed round, uh, What's one big piece of business advice you can give us? you've given us a lot of leadership advice on how to mentor how to grow people, but now mm-hmm. that you're more focused on the business, what's one nugget that you can drop on us on business
1: well i mean the, the thing is I think on the, on the business side it's very important to have realistic expectations and when you're doing your when you're doing your financial projections, you have to really look at a lot of things you have to look at your, what your you know fixed costs are going to be you're going to have to look at look you know, many things that like, you know, realistic labor costs, food costs. Um, can you make it work at this location? What realistically kind of numbers can you do? day do you know it's realistic? I think that, you know, I've been, I've been working in a restaurant group that I would consider what's in my wheelhouse in terms of size and in terms of uh, like level of, uh, you know, you know, it's not fine dining, but it's not it, it's not fast. It's it's kind of like somewhere somewhere in the middle. So I know basically, I know basically what my what my uh, my checks should look like. Okay. You know, so I can I can make general projections based on the number of seats, based on like what I am, what I anticipate my uh, check average would be. Yeah, I can make you know I can make certain assumptions on what I should be able to do, and if it if it falls in line with all the costs then and it makes sense then it's then it's doable you know so i th- but I think it's very important to to do that analysis before you even get yeah before you get even you know
0: so you've been open with this location for almost uh, seven months now right yeah january fifth seven months so uh are you using any i mean it's hard because it takes time to use your software to get that history that data, so mm-hmm. you can look at like. Years pass or months to Track mm-hmm. trends, but are you using any software to collect that information to track the trends so you can project?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we you know, we the 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 POS systems that we use, and uh, it's it's they're very helpful because it's like there's also like sometimes too much data. Yeah, you know, it's like, uh, but it's 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 very helpful, and and we we track numbers every single day. What's and the
0: most important number to track in your opinion?
1: The most important. Number like you mean like labor yeah. cost yeah. I think you know labor cost is something that's very important to track now just because of 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 what's going on, and it's you know it's not it's just it's something you really have to manage and you have to keep an eye on because it can you know it can it can sink you
0: <laughs> so what's one thing you do to control that labor cost?
1: manage manage your kitchen properly you know okay. if you, you know there's if you, you you set up the team and you set up a system and you set up a menu where you know this obviously isn't you know like a Michelin starred restaurant with 30 cooks for 50 guests <laughs> yeah. you know so it has to be it has to be an efficient machine okay essentially
0: awesome is there anything we haven't touched on during this free-flowing portion of the interview that you want to add to the conversation anything one last thing you didn't get out that you're hoping you would have gotten out before we move on to the speed round
1: Uh, not that I can think of.
0: Awesome. You're doing great crushing it. Chef. We're gonna take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. Okay. All right. I have a question for you. How can, an anonymous employee reporting program be a profit center for your restaurant. Hmm. Well, for starters, fraud alone represents a staggering loss to the restaurant industry with an estimated 40 billion in losses in the US in 2017 alone. And this does not include the losses and costs associated with the more than 540,000 calls made to the US EEOC in 2017 resulting in millions of dollars in penalties and legal costs for restaurant owners and investigators related to claims of harassment and discrimination. So do I have your attention? Good because there's more. Employee tip-offs about misconduct continue to be the most common method for detection and prevention, but employees are often deterred from reporting their concerns directly to supervisors because they're afraid that there's going to be retaliation or they might lose their job or something, and I get it. But with Ethics Suites anonymous and web-based restaurantethics.com, you can provide a safe, secure, simple, and anonymous communication channel between you and your employees to help protect your hard-earned reputation and assets. Go to EthicsSweets.com slash restaurants unstoppable, and you will get three additional months. So for the cost of 12 months, you'll get 15 months or head over to the show notes and find the banner and you can use the link there. And we're back. The first question I have for you, chef is what is your it factor, a habit, a treat, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success?
1: Uh, man, to 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 pin it down to one thing is tough. I think that uh, being a good coach and treating people with respect is how you get the the best out of people. Awesome. What is your biggest weakness? What is my biggest weakness? I don't know what my biggest weakness is. You know, I, I could probably be better at actually you know engaging guests. Yeah, I'm kind of been always kind of like not, I'm not you know stopping by every table but i know the importance of it and i know that you know how how special it makes people feel when the, the chef comes to the table and, and talks to them for a few minutes so how are you getting better at that i just just tr- practice <laughs> you know what i mean i'm hitting i'm trying to hit more tables yeah. you know and and just get, to become more comfortable with it i guess
0: okay cool uh what is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're building your team
1: uh i think balance yeah. you know I, i've always had a. have always you know i've i've got uh, I've got like more uh, uh, upper management chefs and sous chefs that are women than 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 any than than the guys, and I think it's important to have to have that balance and that to have because it just it, it creates it creates a, a stronger team for me. Okay. Um,
0: what do you think? What do you think it is about that balance that creates a stronger team?
1: I'm not sure. I think that maybe if, if there's times when the, when there's too much testosterone that it can yeah. kind of turn into a, you know it can kind of just. <laughs> it's just, it's not, it's not balanced. I'm you picking know? up what you're putting down. Yeah. Uh,
0: what is your biggest challenge today?
1: I think the biggest challenge is to not uh, become complacent and to, to try to get better in some way every single day.
0: So how do you overcome that challenge?
1: You identify like things that could get better and you work on them.
0: Beautiful. Uh, share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. This is like a core value, a way to be.
1: Be conscientious and, and, and don't be wasteful and think about, you know, think about the, you know, I don't want to say that you know, there's, there's children that are starving, but think about respecting food and, mm. and not throwing things away and not, you know, just being, you know,
0: I got being you. righteous. Yeah. Uh, what's one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So this is something that's common within your four walls, but not common within the industry. A way you go above and beyond to serve your
1: guests. I try to instill the fact that. We're, uh, we're an open kitchen, yeah. And you're on, dis- you know, you're on display. So don't, you know, don't turn your back to the guest if you're if you're a cook. Treat tr- treat them like you know treat treat the guest as if they're a guest at your house for a dinner party. Awesome.
0: Okay, so what is one book that will make us a better person or restaurant operator?
1: Yeah, one, I mean, one of my favorite books was the was. Uh, uh, Was the first shape and book.
0: All right. Next question: What is one piece of technology you've adopted in your restaurant that has had a positive influence on operations, communications, profitability? uh, Just overall has had a big impact on your operation.
1: I mean, I guess an obvious obvious one would be you know. Smartphones,
0: but you bring up a, a great point though, because a, a lot of my guests, are, are, they say the smartphone, but we, there's so much it can do. We don't ever use it to its fullest potential, mm-hmm. like using the voice notes uh, to remember something or to just use the voice activation, like "Hey Siri, set a reminder for this." Like you as a chef are so busy, you have so much on your shoulders, so much you have to keep track of. You can create a list using your smartphone, like "Add this to my list," Right, right. and then at the end of the day, like even if your your hands are messy, like you have, you don't have to remember things. Like you have a calendar, sure, you know, like get it on your phone. Yeah, right? I mean. One using. thing
1: that, that that I've just started—I was introduced to from our uh, partner and director of operations—was these Chromebooks, in which you know I you know I'm using Gmail, but it has all these you know it has like the, the drive and the the sheets and the documents, and it seemed, it's 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 far easier to keep everything organized and to have it yeah. all in this cloud, absolutely, where you can just boom. Not you just know, you, but anybody on your anybody, team. yeah. And sharing, sharing That's recipes huge. and sharing stuff. It's been so we share. You know, we, we type up recipes every day and share them with my with my whole team, and then they have them. And it's just it's very it's great. Nice. You know, you don't have to you don't have to have like a a, a binder in the kitchen with the you know stained sheets. All right, this is the last question. You ready for it? Sure.
0: If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom. Three things you know to be true about just the good of humanity, and to leave behind for your legacy. What were those three pieces of wisdom? Be
1: don't be afraid to to give it a shot. You know, get knocked down seven times, get up eight. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of a good a good way of looking at it. I mean, I think one an obvious one would be that karma can be a bitch. Yeah. So don't you know treat treat people treat people well and treat people the way that you would want to be treated, and um, and. You know, that way the the culinary gods won't punish you.
0: Mm. (laughs) I like it. One more.
1: Um, I think the last one would be whatever whatever you're serving, whether it's drinks or or wine or food is, you know, only only put things out that you're proud of.
0: Ah, Awesome. Great stuff, Chef. Thank you so much for taking the time to stay with me today, to share your story, to share your mentorship, to share your your wisdom, your experience. We're all just a little bit better because of it. Uh, We wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. So who's one person you admire in this industry, somebody you believe needs to be made an example of?
1: Um, Does this person have to be be alive?
0: Uh, I'm going to try to interview them. Oh, so. that's gonna, that, <laughs> I guess that would be necessary. Yeah, I'm headed to Richmond pretty soon. Maybe somebody down there that you think is doing it right in Richmond.
1: Um, you know, I, I, I've got great chef buddies, uh, Danny Lee and Scott Druno, who have. Uh, Danny has two mandus, and uh, they both are the chef owners of uh, of Chico and I think that they they're fantastic people and great leaders in this industry and they're doing something with their fast casual concept. That's really remarkable. Beautiful. So
0: look, out, it was Danny Lee
1: and Scott Druno,
0: Scott Druno. Look out guys. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show and let the folks at home know how can we connect? If we uh, want to maybe come join your team, uh, pick up the conversation, uh, social media, email, anything out there you want, you're willing to give, we'll, we'll take it. Put it yeah, in the show. Notes.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, you can, you can, um, you can reach us at information at restaurant dot um we're, we're always looking for for great people um it's if you know we we also have plans of possibly doing another concept so we really want to grow we want to grow we want to i'd love to like kind of grow from the inside out um but there's going to be plenty of 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 you know plenty of place for 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 great people to join the team so whether it's the front of the house or the back of the house, um, we would love to hear from you. Um, and we're at 1331 4th Street in Southeast, um, Chloe. Um, find our Find us on the, on the on the on the web and send us an email, and we'd love to chat with you.
0: And uh, Chef, hi dear, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to share your story again to to make us just a little bit more unstoppable. That's for sure. And there is no question, you, my friend, are. Unstoppable! Oh, well, thank you. thank
1: you, thank you, thank you, thank
0: you. All right, there's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Chef Hadir hey crushing it, dropping bombs of knowledge left and right. I think the big two takeaways for me today is that, you know, the first one, you got to get out there. You got to... Uh, You got to learn. You got to show people that you're willing to learn because there are people out there willing to teach. So do whatever you can to get yourself in front of these people and to take advantage of it. Uh, And really, like Chef says, you know, once you realize that there are people out there willing to teach you, the sky is the limit. They will teach you what they know. You got to take that initiative, though. You got to show them that you want to learn. You got to show them the hunger. And that's up to you. Nobody else but you can do that. The other big takeaway for me today was the idea that you gotta get outside of your comfort zone. And for Chef, he says, you know, one of his biggest weaknesses is uh, getting out in the front of house, uh, touching tables, of uh, being more of the face of the restaurant. He was just so used to being behind the scenes in the kitchen. Now that this is his namesake restaurant, this is his solo venture, he's gotta be more in the public eye. And uh, I just want to uh, commend him because he says, you know, we, we constantly need to be growing, we constantly need to be pushing ourselves. And he doesn't just, you know, talk the talk. He's walking the walk right now. He's taking time to to be a part of this podcast, to to be in the public eye. And you can tell he was a little outside of his comfort zone today, but that's where growth happens. And I think Chef is a living example of that. So like always, guys, please do reach out to me, Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Tell me who you want to hear from. Tell me what I can do to make this resource better. I'm here to serve you. I need you to know that. Also, I'm on the road in Richmond right now editing and uh, working and pushing this out. This was recorded in Washington. My next stop might be looking like New Orleans. So if you're in that area, if you know of somebody I need to get on the show, or if you're in that area and you think um, you should be on the show, reach out to me. I'm always looking for the next guest. Also, after that, I'm headed to Austin. My plans for a place to crash in Austin may have fallen through because it's a there's a conference in town and the hotel I was going to stay at might be sold out. So uh, if you're in that area, you want to support the podcast again, Eric at restaurant com or Instagram, Eric, catch reach out to me. I'm looking for a crash pad. All I need is a place to park my car. That's it. <laughs> I'll sleep in my car. Uh, I'm easy. And uh, what else? Uh, Keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. They help so much. But the best way to support this podcast, guys, is by sharing it. The mission of this podcast is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. But in order to do that, we need people to know about it. So get the word out there. Let's share this knowledge. Let's uh, let's start changing the values of this industry. Let's start making the knowledge of the best in our industry available to everybody so that's the goal let's make it happen all right that's all for today thank you so much for sticking around this long until next time peace out